Deadbeat Scroll by Mark Coggins is slick, sardonic, and suspenseful. Everything a great thriller should be, says New York Times bestselling author Lee Child. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 14. Number 1. With a Bullet. Standing on the sidewalk in front of Jules' apartment, I took out my phone to call a cab, then thought better of it. The walk home was mostly downhill, and I figured I could use the time to mull over what I'd learned. I dialed Angelina instead. I was eager to give her the news about the manuscript and find out if her sister had ever expressed an interest in the beats. At least, that's what I told myself. The call went to voicemail almost immediately, and Angelina's flip greeting, Think fast, caught me flat-footed. I hemmed and hawed, but eventually managed to leave a message about the scroll, and ended by asking her to dinner. I pocketed the phone and trekked west on Broadway, then south on Jones. The going was downhill at first, but I'd underestimated the amount of altitude I had to claw back to traverse Knob Hill. I peeled off my jacket and was blotting sweat from my forehead by the time I reached the 1930s Art Deco tower that marked the summit. A techie type struggling with a folding commuter bike nodded at me from under the canopied awning of the building as I wheezed by. Picking up steam on the downhill side, I found myself thinking about my encounter with Herr Doctor earlier that morning. I told Gretchen that I didn't have anything to link him and his sidekick to the murders, but I realized that the pot shots he took at me might have changed that. As I approached the Post Street apartment, I scoped the surrounding area to make sure no one was lying in ambush, and once I assured myself that the coast was clear, I got down on my haunches by the building's entrance. I worked out from the gate in concentric semicircles, looking for one of the slugs from this morning's ambush. I found pigeon crap, dried bubble gum, cigarette butts, and even a hypodermic needle, but no bullets. Then, in a groove in the sidewalk near the red-painted curb, an oblong peanut of metal winked up at me. It was flattened on one side from the impact with the gate or the building's facade, but it was otherwise intact. I picked it up in the fold of my handkerchief, wadded everything into a tight little bundle, and shoved it into my hip pocket. I stood up and was pressing my fist into the small of my back to unravel my spine when my phone buzzed with an incoming text from Angelina. Sounds like progress, Daddy-o. Spoke to Jeff and will update you this evening, a harmonic convergence which will hopefully involve more than dinner. Missed you last night, smiley face. I suppose Daddy-o was a nod to my discovery of the beat connection, but given the difference in our ages, I was a little sensitive about any mention of Daddy's. Still, I had to admit a considerable thrill at the suggestion of a return engagement in the bedroom. The evening I took her home from the police station was so fraught that I wasn't sure how much she appreciated my presence, to say nothing of my rusty efforts at lovemaking. I thumbed a response. 
I missed you too and will do my best to make our convergence extra harmonic. Then I used the phone to call Kittredge, who elicited no thrill in me at all. After our usual exchange of snarls, he agreed to meet me for lunch at the Farm Club, a sports bar in the Tenderloin. His selection of the venue, which was only a couple of blocks from the post-read apartment, halfway convinced me that he was already in the area. The Farm Club was in a shotgun building on Mason with exposed brick walls and a necklace of 18 flat-screen TVs strung around the circumference that showed everything from football to poker to mixed martial arts. An oak bar ran the length of the left side, and a splattering of high-top tables occupied the right. Kittredge was already sitting at one of the tables with his back against the wall. A couple of hot dogs and paper trays were sitting on the table, and the one closest to Kittredge had a big bite taken out of it. What if I don't want a hot dog? I asked as I sat down. There are only two things on the menu, hot dogs and nachos. The hot dogs are here, and the nachos are coming. You're paying for everything. Swell. Kittredge took another bite of his dog and chewed it leisurely. Well, it's your party. What did you want? You got one of those evidence bags you guys carry around? Maybe. Give it here. Kittredge grunted, leaned to one side, and reached into the pocket of his fancy suit. He extracted a plastic evidence bag, which was nothing more than a Ziploc with a chain of custody label printed on it, and passed it over. I retrieved my wadded handkerchief, thrust it into the mouth of the bag, then shook it until the bullet fell out. I sealed the bag and set it on the table with a flourish. What the fuck is that? In lieu of an answer, I took a bite of my own hot dog. Kittredge picked up the bag reluctantly. A twenty-two slug, huh? Did the tooth fairy leave it under your pillow? No. More like it missed my nose by two inches. When? This morning. I gave a bare-bones account of being shot at as I left the Post Street apartment, then described how I had searched the sidewalk in front of the entrance to find the slug. I didn't mention that there had been several hours between the two events. I didn't want Kittredge objecting that the bullet could have come from a different shooting. You think the bullet was fired from the gun that killed Duckworth and White? There's only one way to find out. Hmm. Did you see the shooter? I nodded as I inhaled the majority of my dog. In a car across the street, I said when I came up for air. And? I gave an abbreviated description of Hair Doctor, referencing his sidekick only as a shadowy figure in the front seat. As I hadn't actually seen either of them this morning, I didn't want to lay it on too thick. It was still too thick for Kittredge. So you step out on the sidewalk, immediately come under fire, dive back behind a gate, retract into the building like a chilled testicle, and still have the presence of mind to make your assailant. I shrugged. Some of us show more grace under fire than others. Had you seen this guy before this morning? No. Had any inkling someone was following you? No. 
been poking your nose in places that might prompt retaliation, places, I might add, that you heretofore have neglected to mention? No. And then I thought I should throw him a bone. I spent yesterday canvassing Corinne White's neighborhood, trying to find someone who could tell me more about her or why she might have been killed. I struck out. Kittredge growled. We already interviewed all the neighbors. Thoroughly. You were wasting your time. Agreed. But the point is, I was wasting it in a way that wouldn't have prompted retaliation, especially if you'd already done the same thing. A waitress came up with a basket of nachos and two mugs of beer. I started to complain about not having a say in the choice of beer, but Kittredge cut me off. You'll drink it and like it. And pay for it, too. Exactly. There was a truce while we finished the hot dogs and worked our way through the nachos and Stella Artois. When we were done, Kittredge leaned back against the wall and belched. I don't believe half of what you're saying, Reardon, but I'll test the bullet. If it matches, then you're going to have to do a much better job of explaining how it came into your possession and how you were able to describe the alleged shooter. Are you saying I made the whole thing up? I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if you put your foot in some other crime scene and took the slug away as a souvenir. Now you're trying to get me to bite on this phony shooting story without explaining what you were really up to. You can check out the Post Street apartment. The facade is chipped and there must be other slugs in the area. Whatever. Are you at least going to put out a description of my guy? Maybe have a police artist work up a sketch? If and when we match the bullet. A group at the bar let out a loud whoop as a Japanese woman with braided hair dropped her opponent in a mixed martial arts match. My conversation with Kittredge seemed to have run its course. I expected him to slide off his stool and go, leaving me to pick up the check as promised. But he lingered. Something else on your mind? I asked. Mrs. Kong Sheng Chai has gone missing. Who's Mrs. Kong? Don't play dumb, Reardon. We already established you've been sniffing around Golden Fingers. I guess we have. She's the manager, right? I thought you said you already talked to her. We did. I went back to the massage parlor this morning to do a follow-up, and they told me she hasn't come into work for two days, hasn't called to explain why. You check her house? Yeah, I sent a squad car to her building. Got the apartment manager to open her unit. No dice. Neighbors say they haven't seen her either. I pulled a toothpick from the dispenser on the table, stabbed the last jalapeno from her nacho geddon, and popped it into my mouth. It doesn't have to be tied to Duckworth. Not directly, at least. You said yourself that Wohopto wouldn't want a body discovered at their business. Maybe they decided it was time to rid themselves of the mama-san who let it happen on her watch. I thought of that, but I got to believe they would have handled it differently. For one, they wouldn't have left everyone at the business dangling. They would have sent someone to manage it. Maybe that's why they didn't. So you wouldn't think they were involved. Possibly, 
but I also think they would have cleaned out her apartment to make it look like she skipped town. Too many loose ends otherwise. Can you talk to them? Wohop Toe? Apart from the fact they are criminals, and I represent law enforcement, the chain of command is a little murky since you just about chopped a head guy's head off several mayoral elections ago. Sorry. Not sorry. Doesn't matter. Wohop Toe is not the answer. Meaning the manager's disappearance is tied to Duckworth's murder? Meaning someone might be going around trying to eliminate people involved in the case, including you, if your cock and bull story about being shot at is to be believed. You have been listening to The Deadbeat Scroll, a book the New York Journal of Books described as a glorious potpourri of violence, black humor, sex, and a hunt for a lost manuscript. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. <laughs>